Hi, I'm Abigail, and welcome to the second season of the Live Passionately podcast. This season is going to be all about new learning, learning that can broaden our horizons, maybe make us a little uncomfortable, and teach us how to embrace change as a constant. I hold tightly to the concept of being a lifelong learner. Throughout my education, leading one career, changing my mind, pursuing my passion, and applying to grad school. Every process, every conversation, every experience can be approached through learning. Throughout this season, I have set up interviews with some amazing people, ready to teach you about nutrition, life coaching, digital marketing, travel, and a million other different themes, exaggeration intended. I'm glad you were here to join us today, and I hope you take a little something with you from this episode. introduce uh, the next episode, I'm going to share something with you guys that 100% you can tell that I am editing and recording at the end of the week when my brain is like, hell no, that's enough, you can stop. So in the morning, I really set up a morning vibe and I'll make a latte and I'll play jazz music and I'm reading and I'm writing. It's it's really this encompassing vibe that brings me to focus. For some, it would bring them to like utter relaxation. They would fall asleep, but it really helps me focus in, especially because I get distracted very easily and I live on a street that's very busy. But during podcast recording, I obviously have to turn off the jazz music so that the microphone doesn't pick up any feedback. So I turn off the music and I plug in the microphone, check everything, make sure everything's good. And I've put in my introduction on the first track. And then on the second track is where I record what I'm recording right now. And music starts to play when I start to record. And so I pause it, I double check, okay, did I turn my instrumental music off? I did. And I'm like looking around me like, where did that music come from? So I restart, put my cursor, align my cursor where I wanna start recording, go to record this track again, and the music starts again. And I did this two or three times before I realized that I didn't turn the volume off on the first track, so I was getting the end feedback of my introduction music, and it sounded like the instrumental jazz music that I listen to every morning. And the reason I'm admitting this to you is because sometimes we have those moments. Sometimes we have those moments, and they are not moments to be ashamed of, but they are moments to laugh at ourselves, and I totally facepalmed myself. But it just, it brought me some joy to laugh at myself because we do need to. We need to let loose. We need to laugh at ourselves. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to share with my listeners this strange start to this podcast episode. But talking about laughing and talking about joy, this episode is about play. And I was so fortunate to be able to text one of my really good friends from university who loves play, loves to talk about play. She did her studies in early childhood education, and then we went to university together for teaching, and it was just such an amazing chat, and it was so great to sit down with her and see her, because I haven't seen her for a few years now, and we had this enlightening talk about play with children, 
and how it's really important to not cut off the aspect of play in adults. And that's why I kind of started the podcast episode telling you this little story that kind of made me laugh at myself because laughing is a huge component, which we get into in our our short conversation, our short chat. So without further ado, here is Alex Aerosmith and I talking about play and the benefits of play from the time we are born right into adulthood. Joining us on the podcast today is a really good friend of mine who I haven't seen in forever, so it's just really great to see her face, even if it's on the computer. And we went to university together in teaching, and she's coming on the podcast today to talk a little bit about play and the benefits of play in children, as well as the, be- as well as the benefits of play in adults. So welcome, Alex. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for inviting me today. I'm really excited. I am too. And like I like I said, it's been so long since I've seen you. I think we at graduated. Least three years. At, at least, least three years. years. <laughs> yes. So to start us off, can you talk a little bit about what you're up to now? Um, Well, it's my third year of teaching. Um, Right now, I'm back in my hometown. Um, But when we graduated, I was up teaching in uh, northern Quebec in a small little flying indigenous community. And last year, I was in the United Kingdom teaching in London. And now I'm back home. So... (laughs) So for our listeners who are kind of wondering, like, what the hell does she mean play? Can you give our listeners a little quick definition of what play is? Um, so, yeah, so play is a completely natural process that every single human being and animals as well, they go through, particularly in the early stages of life. Um, and play is one of the basic skills that children learn early on. Um, when they're a few months old, maybe even a few hours old, it starts then and it b- builds up and builds up and it creates all of these wonderful skills and benefits and all these wonderful things that we carry on into our adult lives. So at least from some of the experience that I've had, some of it positive, some of it not so positive, we see that sometimes and not all the time, But sometimes in either schools or as children get older, or even I find as more technology is introduced into households, we notice that play is kind of lacking. But can you give us an outline as to why play is so beneficial in the early years and also in the school age years? Perfect. So we'll start with um, birth to five years old. Those first five years are the most important years in any human being's life. Um, It's the years when you learn to talk, you learn to walk, you learn to regulate your emotions, um, you learn how to share and to work with other people, you learn authority. And that's really where it starts. It really starts off first with sensory. So learning to touch, learning to smell, sights, sounds. And as that progresses, you use the sounds you learn and then you start to mimic them. So the whole point of sometimes a child will be obsessed with the sound and just makes them laugh and laugh and laugh. And then you start laughing as well. And it helps create that bond as well. 
They learn to bond with other people. And then as it progresses, you learn um, measurement even. Um, when you're playing with water, pouring water into one cup and, or into another, and you're looking at volume and measurement and you're learning about the world around you. And children who don't have the benefits of those, children who are sensory deprived, they lack certain skills or there'll be a huge gap in the learning and a huge gap in their brain development. And that's why it's extremely important. Um, and nowadays with all the technology, more and more parents are putting their children in front of screens and they're not getting that hands-on sensory, actually doing it for themselves. And so they start to, they can catch up for sure, but a lot of the problems that we're seeing now as children are entering schools is they don't know how to regulate their emotions. They don't know how to interact with other children. They're, the learning is so much more difficult for them now because they have all of these distractions and they're used to looking at a screen and they're used to sitting there being told what to do. A child, if you put your child, a child in front of a toy, instinctly they should take that toy and they should start playing with it. But some children are so used to being told what to do, they'll just stare at it mm -hmm. and wait to be told, okay, this is what you need to do. So it develops those instincts as well. So I want to hone in on one thing. I mean, what everything that you, when you talk about play, I'm just always in awe. But I want to hone in on one thing you said about emotional regulation, because even now I find as, as an adult and like me as, a, as an adult growing up in a generation of change where technology came into play, not super early on, but early enough, I even struggle regulating with my emotions often. So could you kind of give an example of how play can help with emotional regulation? Wonderful. So play is also divided in different social stages in a child's life. Um, and so there are times in a child's life where learning to play with others is essential. Learning to be with that other person and understand what that person wants or what they need. Um, so some of it develops then, but also with technology, you're separated from that person. You don't see them face to face. So a lot of children, it's even happened with my own students, they're online gaming with their friends. They're having fun, but they don't have that face-to-face -face connection with them anymore. And with that, you don't see the emotions on someone's faces. You don't understand how your words or your actions could affect them as effectively as it would if they're face-to-face. And play in one way also helps them to regulate in a sense that if they're feeling frustrated or if they're feeling angry, they can use play as an outlet for that. But many of the kids, at least from what I observe in my classroom, they're having a hard time with those difficult emotions. They're having a hard time expressing those. If you have a child who has a hard time expressing those emotions and you give them that outlet where... They can do what they want, they can play um, in a more aggressive way, they'll be able to regulate those emotions better and they'll be able to understand their emotions better. And I think that's where a lot of the miscommunication happens in our brain. We feel these things, but we don't know why. And so having the ability to explore them 
in many different ways, not just through play, is really beneficial for a lot of people. And it's something that a lot of uh, kids should be exploring as well. Do you find that, I mean, I say, do you find, I feel like I know the answer to this question already, (laughs) but with the pandemic hitting, do you see a drastic, I mean, I have just kind of walking on the street, but see a drastic disadvantage to the pandemic happening, not for, I mean, for everything, it's a disadvantage, but definitely in that social aspect and that play aspect for kids, do you see that disadvantage with their behavior? Um, In some ways, yes. I, the pandemic happened when I was abroad. So for me personally, I, I was in a foreign country, no friends, no families. <laughs> so I already know that having that social aspect is extremely important as an adult, but I can't imagine having it as a kid. I remember when I was in school that my social life at school was my life. It was everything I needed. I had my friends, I had people to talk to. And especially if there's an only child and they don't have siblings at home, it makes it even harder. And so what we're seeing a lot is the behavior between students that's so much more difficult this year because the students kind of have forgotten how to play effectively with one one another. So it's a lot of fights that break out. It's a lot of violence. And that's just all these pent-up emotions. They get super, super excited or they don't know how to interact with each other anymore. And then it just comes out in this big, green, ugly monster. And you're like, whoa, we need to take a step back. (laughs) Um, So that's really what a lot of teachers are going through. Um, And I can't imagine it for the children, especially with us. We're doing, well, where where I am, we're in this yo-yo situation we're back to school, we're not back at school, we're back at school, we're not back at school. And so they have their friends, they know they're online, but it's different than when they're face-to-face. Would you have, before we switch over to kind of talking about the benefits of play even as adults, uh, would you have or do you have any tips or tricks for parents, babysitters, even I would say even teachers who anyone who works with children or has children, do you have any tips in mind that would kind of give them that that sense of play and give them that play even if they're home and they're an only child? The one thing that comes to mind with that question is as an adult, I feel that we need to show children that we can have fun. We can play with them. Don't be afraid to be silly because If you get on all fours and you're crawling through the mud on a rainy day with them, that is going to create so many memories. The sensory is there. They learn that, okay, it's a little bit of mud. It'll wash off. It's not a big deal. Um, And just having that relationship with them. I think that's so, so important. And having them understand that, yeah, you're an adult. You have to put your foot down sometimes, but you can have fun. And it really helps them. And they're like, oh, can we go play in the puddles today, mom or dad? And I feel like really building that relationship and showing them, you know what, we're going to put all the electronics away today. We are going to go out on a trail. We're going to find as many pine cones as we can, getting outside, sitting on the floor, spend time with your children and engage in them and enter their imagination. 
go with the flow. If your daughter wants to have a tea party, costumes and makeup and all, do it because you're <laughs> never going to get those moments back. And that's something she will cherish for sure. So I'm going to give you a scenario because as you were talking, I was like, okay, I have a really good adult scenario. And you're probably going to be like, oh my goodness, this is like a little bit of trauma there. So when I was with my ex-boyfriend, we went for a hike with a bunch of people. And I think maybe I was 18 or 19 at the time. I, I wasn't very old, but I was still a, like a grown ad adult. And I started to have a lot of fun on the hike and I was running and I was like hiding behind the trees and I was being like really silly. But I, he was so mad at me for getting silly and having fun. You, you, your listeners can't see her face, but she's making a face, guys. So he was so mad at me for having fun and playing because I wasn't like staying in the herd of the group and I wasn't just following what everyone else was doing. And for a while, that held me back from being silly again because it's like you're, you're self-aware and you're self-conscious. But can you tell our listeners why something, an example like that, taking away the, the awful part to it, why an example like that, even in adulthood, could be ben can be very beneficial for us as older people or as we get older? Exactly. So... I'm really sorry that happened to you because I love your silliness. <laughs> I, haven't I haven't seen it very often because we had to be serious in school, but I love it. But I think that's a problem with society nowadays. As adults, we're expected we have to regulate. We cannot be silly. We have to be proper and prim and you have to be serious all the time. But that's really not the case. That's not who we are. And so having fun and just letting that fill your body and soul is something that's so liberating. It makes you feel like you're a child again. And when those types of situations happen where then people are like, oh, why are you being like this? Like you're being childish. You have to act like an adult. It kind of puts us down because we're not fitting the mold. But in reality, no one really fits the mold. We're just really good at mm -hmm. hiding it. And that's really unfortunate because I think that if we all let ourselves loose a little bit with our silliness and our quirks within our weirdness, I think that the world would be so much more colorful and so much more vibrant than what it is today. I absolutely agree with you. And for me, a huge component, at least in adulthood, I find is laughing. I find I and anytime anyone's like, oh, I'm struggling with my relationship, even if it's not a romantic relationship, I'm struggling with my relationship with this person. I'm like, laugh. I, that's the first advice I always give. If someone comes to me with advice, I was like, put yourself in a situation where both of you can laugh. Because as soon as laughter comes out, the whole situation becomes so much more fun. And that, I mean, laughter, you say laughter, you think of kids right away. And so we always have to, you know, embrace that play and laughter and having fun isn't just for kids because that's a pretty dull adulthood if you're not having fun. <laughs> exactly. And one of the first things we do as babies, other than cry, is we learn to laugh. We learn to laugh before we even learn to speak. It's one of our ways of communicating. And it's not just that, but it also makes us feel good. 
It makes us relax. And if you're ever really stressed out, go ahead, watch a really funny YouTube video and just laugh. You're going to feel so much better. <laughs> and so just having that laughter in your life and having that fun and play, it's just going to change your whole perspective on life. It really does. I find the biggest, not the biggest struggle, maybe I guess you could call it struggle as a society, but I, as I observe, because I really love to observe human behavior, it's like a thing that I do. Sometimes I completely zone out just because I'm so concentrated on like, why? Like, what is the thought process happening in this person's brain to make them behave this way? But something I've really picked up on is even in romantic relationships, things get so serious all the time. And I mean, when you're living, even if it's not romantic, when you're living with the same person, that's the person that you see every day, especially in a pandemic where you can't see anybody else, you're, you're going to get annoyed with each other. Like it's, it's bound to happen. But if you have siblings, you were also in the same space with them all the time. And as kids, you still had fun. So I like to kind of put it in that perspective too and think about how much how much more beneficial having fun and playing and even just playing a game and developing date nights around, you know, going for hikes or playing in the woods or playing hide and seek. I played hide and seek with my partner the other day <laughs> and it was so much fun. But you just build that relationship and it just goes back to what you said before of how that's how kids build relationships early on in their developmental stages. Yeah, exactly. And hide and seek is a great example because it's not just a game. There are certain skills around it, especially when you're, when you're children. Um, you, have to, you have to know how to count because if you're counting the time, you have to understand what time is. You have to have a cognitive development in terms of, okay, I need to go find this person. If I was them, where would I hide? Or if you're the one who's hiding, you have to think about, okay, I need to find a place that's really hard to find so that they won't find me. So it requires a lot of skills. And as adults, they can even get more complex. And then you can add more skills into it. Um, there's adults who do like extreme hide and seek where they <laughs> hide in all these really weird and amazing places that goes on for hours at a time. It's really great. And it helps you understand each other more because then the more you know a person, the more you can kind of predict where they're going to go or you can predict, okay, I know where this person's going to look for me first. I'm not going to go there. I'm going to go somewhere where they won't think to look for me. <laughs> I am, the, and you're I am the most, I am the most predictable hide and seeker. So I'm going to sound really lame. I also play hide and seek with my cat. Because I think it's really important. Uh, I'm pretty much working from home. And so we spend all day together. And he's two and a half. So it's really important that he plays. Like, especially because he's little. But I can't play with him all the time. So often, like four or five times a week, I will play hide and seek with him. But I will run out of spaces to hide. And he has figured out every single hiding spot. <laughs> so if I'm not in the first one, then he goes to the second one. But he knows exactly the spots that I'm going to hide in. And he is a cat. And he already knows me better than probably most humans do. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, and <laughs> funny enough, play can be observed in so many animal species across the globe. It's used. Dogs do it. Cats do it. Um, wolves. So many other species. Horses play. It's something that's completely natural that's found in almost all aspects of nature. And so it's really important that we don't forget about play. Even as adults in this pandemic where everything is super, super serious, we need to find time to just let ourselves go and just, yes. Mm. And it's finding, finding those moments are can be trickier, but they're so beneficial. Even if like your version of play isn't the same as another person's version of play, it really depends on what you need. So I am very introverted, but in turn, that means that what I'm lacking in is social. So when I play, when I feel like playing, I feel like being around people and doing fun stuff with people because I'm lacking that social. I need to build more of that social uh, my social skills I guess you could say as an adult and it doesn't stop your learning doesn't stop your growing doesn't stop there's always new things to learn and you might as well have fun with your learning yeah exactly and the same can go for like an extroverted person they're with people people all the time but maybe their version of play is okay I'm gonna go and take a bit of time for myself and I'm just going to do whatever I want I can run around the woods with a stick <laughs> and, or I can go, I could go and build forts. Um, I've seen some pretty amazing forts um, out on walks. So it really, it really depends on what you need. And it takes time to develop that. And it takes time to learn how to play if you've forgotten how to. Some people worry that, oh, I haven't done this in so long. How, how, how will I even remember how to play? It's an instinct. It's something completely natural. And so it's your head that's going to tell you, oh, you can't do this, you can't do this, but actually it's okay. It's just those social aspects here that you're so used to being told or thinking, I can't do this because people are going to judge me. It's that aspect that you kind of have to let go at times. And then once you do, the world is your oyster, really. Mm, and that's a huge component of personal development. Like as I've built this business and worked on my own personal development, I've made the tools for personal development. When you let go of judgment, so I was always stressed about judgment. But when you let go of that, you really do not care. Like you don't care what other people think. You you follow, what's that expression? You go to the beat of your own drum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so before we finish off, I always, any podcast interview I do, any chat that I do, I have a fire round of questions. <laughs> but I don't know if you've listened to any of my podcast interviews yet. So you might know the I, questions. I, I, th I, th I think I tried to once, but then it cut off halfway through because my internet was bad. <laughs> okay, so maybe you haven't heard the questions then. So I have five questions and you just have to answer the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Are you ready? I am ready. <laughs> What is passion? Being who you are and doing what you love to do. What does it mean to feel joy? Being happy with who you are. Why are challenges important? Because they help you grow and they help you learn to become a better person. What does it mean to love yourself? Accepting all your flaws and quirks 
How can we live our best life? By doing what you want to do and not what other people tell you to do. What I love about (laughs) doing the fire round is that every single person has had different answers and it's so beautiful. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. It was a pleasure. Take care. Thank you. Did I tell you or did I tell you that this podcast episode was a really good one, both for learning about the way that kids think when it comes to play, the benefits in children, but also the massive benefits of just letting loose and being silly as an adult. I have an extremely silly personality and for years society just kind of made me feel like I had to push that down. Past relationships, past friendships, people I was around, they didn't want to see that silliness come out. They were embarrassed from it either because it was different, it was something they didn't know, it was new, or they felt like I had to fit a certain mold. And like Alex said, there really is no mold to fit. And it's just so important to be yourself and to have those moments of pure bliss and pure and utter silliness. Because although play might look different in adults, when you really look at it, it's not all that different. When I, like I put how lame I am when I'm playing hide and seek with my cat, I completely forget how old I am. I'm just running really fast trying to find a hiding spot because my cat doesn't count. So I'm running really fast trying to find a hiding spot and I'm laughing and I'm giggling and my age isn't a component because I'm developing a relationship with him. I'm kind of developing a relationship with myself in the sense that I'm embracing my silliness and I'm embracing fun. And if life wasn't fun, that's not living life to the fullest. So I hope you really enjoyed this episode. I know I did, and my passions kind of flooded through a little bit, even listening to it again. I hope that you take something with you, and I hope that you are living life to the fullest. And if you don't think that you're living life to the fullest yet, take some advice from the podcast, do your research, build, grow, and and live life to the fullest. Start working towards those goals that your heart is aching for. Start working towards the life that your heart is aching for because we have one life, so we better live the shit out of it. The Live Passionately podcast is an independent podcast hosted and produced by myself, Abigail Dawn, with royalty-free music, A Good Life by Dark Fantasy Studios. I want to thank all of my listeners, subscribers, and followers. If you enjoyed this episode or enjoying the Live Passionately podcast so far, please review, rate, share, and remember to always live passionately.